Pretty Dece, Pretty Dece, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. What's going on, everybody? I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek. This is Pretty Dece. Thank you very much for tuning in. Pretty Dece is your daily entertainment and pop culture podcast. And I am coming to you with some very tired feet because I just got home from day one of Gen Con. We've been talking about Gen Con building up this week, but if you haven't caught those episodes and you don't know what Gen Con is, is Gen Con is the uh, massive, huge gaming convention. Gaming meaning board games, miniature games, card games, any kind of like tabletop game. So, so mostly non-video game uh, convention that goes on in Indianapolis, which happens to be the area that I am from. So Gen Con is, like I said, huge, massively fun, and uh, I'm going this year. So I've gone to Gen Con for the past uh, three or four years now. I think I've, I think this is my this is my fourth Gen Con, maybe. Uh, and all the other years past, I've just gone a single day. This year, I have a four-day pass, so the it starts on Thursday, rolls through Sunday. Uh, so I, I have the luxury this year of spreading out my trip a little bit. So I can do different things on different days. So Saturday, I'm definitely going to spend a long time at the convention as well, but I think I'm going to do some of the periphery on Saturday and kind of spread out and look at some of the, the fringe, uh, stuff that I don't normally you know go see, like the arcade and stuff. So today at the exhibit, or at, at, at Gen Con, we spent a, most of my time in the exhibit hall. Of course, first thing, it opens up. Everyone wants to rush in there. So I didn't get in, of course, right when it opens because it is a madhouse. But got in not too long after it was open, got, got downtown and, uh, and got in there. And mainly spent today walking the exhibit hall, checking out what's there, seeing what all the booths were, were and uh, just, just really just kind of checking it out, getting the lay of the land. And, you know, Gen Con is massive, and this year is their biggest year they've ever had. They sold out, uh, which is, is unheard of from everything that I've, that I've seen or heard. So even with that many people, though, Gen Con felt very maneuverable this year. I think that they laid out the aisles wide enough, and things were spaced out, and kind of nothing was, like, bunched up or anything like that. It was it was easy to get around. We never felt like we were super crowded, right? I mean, it's a, it's a convention, so you have to deal with people. That's just a reality of being at a convention. But it wasn't insanity like i thought it it might be so so props to the organizers of gen con for for making that the case um and the exhibit hall i can't stress enough how much stuff is in the exhibit hall um it it is it's so large there's so much there that if you uh walk through it and you know lingered at you know booths here and there as you shopped uh maybe if you did a demo or so it could easily easily take you an entire day just to see everything in the exhibit hall. We definitely at times were were cruising, like bypassing things that, you know, we might have individually stopped at, but but my my group, you know, just sort of kept going just to kind of see it all. Um yeah, you you could easily spend all day in the exhibit hall, like one entire day devoted to just seeing what's all there. 
especially if you sit down and demo games. That's something that is available in the exhibit hall. So some of the companies that are selling games to you also want to show you those games, uh, which is a really awesome, neat feature of Gen Con. And you can sit down right on the show floor, and an employee or a volunteer will demo the game, teach you how to play, tell you the ins and outs, kind of give you the rundown of what you're doing, which is really neat. Um, it, it did seem like this year that a lot of the demo spots that I saw for like the popular games, like the big things you might want to demo, like the new games, or you know the more um, interesting games that were like, selling pretty fast as well, that the demo spots were very full today for those. So, so that, that might change as the week goes and, and you know more people get those demos. There might be some more spots available. Um, but of course, with this many people, you can't give everyone a demo at once. So it, they're full places, just you know, you got to kind of walk on by and, and circle back around. Um, found some cool stuff in the exhibit hall as well. So of course, big thing about walking through the exhibit hall is shopping. So I had a couple things on the docket that I wanted to look for, but I didn't really have super high hopes for getting them because they're the things that are, you know, uh, coming out on Gen Con and launching here and we're, we're selling them first come first serve and you can't get it anywhere else for a while. And so it's very kind of exclusive. And the first of those was the new Starfinder role-playing game, which is, of course, from the Pathfinder people. So it's essentially Pathfinder, but science fiction. I'm really excited for that game. You know, I'm not a huge Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder guy. I've definitely played some campaigns in the past. But sci-fi really interests me. And, you know, Pathfinder is an amazing system. So I I am really, really intrigued by, by Starfinder, maybe getting a campaign going with my friends. So I do want to pick up a copy of Starfinder. I wasn't, like, super anxious to get in and get it bought this weekend because it will eventually become readily available in stores. It's not something I have to have right now. So I swung by their booth, and of course, everything had sold out. <laughs> so didn't end up getting a copy of Starfinder picked up, but I still am excited about about that uh, that game, about that role-playing game. So I'll pick that up eventually. So Starfinder was not something that I found. The other thing that I attempted to buy didn't get a, a copy of is the multiverse expansion for the DC deck building game. If you've never played the DC deck building game, it is a deck building game as you'd expect. Uh, and that's that a, a deck building game. If you've never played one of those is where you start out with a very small uh, deck of cards. And in, in the case of DC, it is just like a little bit more than 10. And th these cards kind of all do the same thing. Everyone has the same, has the same deck and as the game goes, you buy new cards, add to your deck, and kind of craft your deck as you go. So you choose what cards to buy and add to your deck so you can sort of spec in one direction versus another. You can say, I'm going to focus on these types of cards. Or I'm going to focus on this type of strategy. And, you know, the DC deck building game, my fiance and I, we, we love playing it. It's really, really fun. You can play it competitively, and that's kind of a bit of a faster game, and that's a good time. You can also do a co-op mode called Crisis Mode. That's with an expansion that was added on, and Crisis Mode changes the game entirely. So you are working together at that point to defeat these impossible supervillains, and it's, it's genuinely very hard um, you have to work together, you have to strategize, you have to plan, and that is, it takes hours to play the game like that, but it is so much fun. So DC deck building has been around for a long time now, 
they've put out lots of expansions. There's there's a bunch of of large expansions. There are small little ones. There are really tiny ones that just have a few cards on them. And you can't use them all at once, right? So you kind of can mix and match to some extent. But at some point, you have to have X number of cards in the main deck. And some things are only work with kind of their cards. So you can't you can't use everything at once if you own it all. And at this point, I do own a lot of it. So they are launching, and again, it was coming out at Gen Con, the Multiverse expansion, which is a product that, one, is a big box and holds all of your cards, and two, is special rules that let you uh, use all of the cards that you have for the game. So I, again, haven't read these rules yet, so I'm not super specific on how it works, but basically, I think there's some sort of selector where basically it tells you to go get a subset of cards and play with those, and then maybe you can change that as you go. So you're jumping between multiverses, and the different multiverses are, of course, the different collections of of cards, different expansions. A really cool idea. I'm really excited to get it because, like I said, we we love my friends and my fiance love the DC deck building game. This sounds like a really cool way to utilize some of these expansions that don't get played all the time when we get together to play the game. So that, of course, sold out very quickly. There will be more on the subsequent con days, so I might try again like on Saturday to try to get one, but so far I didn't get that. So a couple disappointments there in terms of buying things, but that's just how the cookie crumbles, right? I didn't try very hard to get in, be first in line to get those things, because they'll become available elsewhere and and down the road. I, I don't have it right off the bat. I'm not one of the first people to own it, but I can live with that. I did, however, have some successes <laughs> in buying things. It wasn't all just things that I t- attempted to buy and then couldn't. Uh, I found uh, some new cards for Super Show. Super Show is a really, really fun game. I uh, discovered it last year at Gen Con. Some of you may know from listening to the show, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and I wear that love on my sleeve. Uh, and Super Show is a pro wrestling card game. So obviously, love at first sight when I saw Super Show. Super Show, the game, is very fun. Even my friends who aren't into professional wrestling really like Super Show. It's very simple. Uh, You can teach someone in just a few minutes. It is kind of rock, paper, scissors. So there are three different types of moves. Uh, There are uh, strikes, there are grapples, and there are submissions. So each of those cards, there are other cards in the deck that will negate those cards. So you will have a card that says stops any submission, for example. So there is this kind of rock, paper, scissors balance there. Uh, Certain cards are very specific. So it'll be like stop any submission if your opponent has done X or, you know, stop any submission that does blah, blah, blah. So like there are things like that. Or it's like stop any submission that's also a finisher. Like there are specifics to it, but generally it works in a rock, paper, scissors type of way. Uh, you also when you so you have a deck of thirty cards and then you have a wrestler. Your wrestler has stats. So to decide who gets to play, you roll a die. You compare that to your wrestler's stats. Whoever got the highest number gets to be the one who gets to play a move. So you first have to play your lead card. So it's like an initial kind of small little move you'll do. Then once you successfully hit one of those, you get to play a follow up. So a little bit bigger of a move. And finally, if you hit one of those, you can play a finish of course you have to have the right cards in your hand so you have to have a finish card before you can play a finish card 
and your opponent has a chance to respond to any of these. So if I try to play a lead card and my opponent blocks it with one of their block cards using the rock, paper, scissors uh, type mechanic, then now they have a lead or follow-up or whatever in play, and I don't. So there is a big shift in momentum there when something does get blocked. So that it's a really fun mechanic. It's very swingy. So, you know, you you might feel like you're up on your opponent and the the die rolls are going your way, but then suddenly they'll hit like one, two, three, like real quick, get their finisher hit. And then when you're their finisher hits, you have to essentially complete a roll and you get three chances to do it to to meet a number that they rolled. If you do it, you kick out. And every time you kick out, it gets a little bit harder to kick out. So the number gets it's higher and higher. So it, it it does actually kind of feel like a wrestling match going back and forth, swinging back and forth. There's there's just enough strategy to it, but it's also random. So it's not like someone can be super good at the game versus someone else that you can have, have a good time playing it. And of course, it's wrestling themes. So you have really fun wrestlers with really fun abilities. Uh, and it's really cool. So there are tons tons of wrestlers out for this game right now some are you know custom designed just for the game so for example el super ombre is one of our favorite cards uh from the the set and then they also have real wrestlers so actual independent wrestlers so those are some of my favorite ones to pick up because they're kind of little collector's items too if you like those wrestlers so I got like the Kenny Omega card uh, today and the Young Bucks card. So you get the card for the wrestler and their finishers as well. So I picked up, you know, several new competitors, five or six or seven <laughs> new competitors. I, I went a little overboard. Uh, got a couple of the new box sets. So I've got tons of Super Show cards. Uh, deck building is very simple in Super Show. All the cards are numbered one through 30. You have to have one of every number, so it's pretty easy. You, you can pull a card out and slot one in, but it has to still have the same number. So if you want to replace number 13, you have to put in another number 13. So deck building, very, very simple in that regard. Um, and it's pretty easy to like mix and match and say, like, okay, I think my wrestler would, would be better with these cards or whatever. Um, so it just turns into a really, really fun game. So Super Show, very cool. Picked up some of those. I also got some uh, general stuff. One of the things that I was really excited about picking up, uh, the the artist Mike Sass was there. He is a magic artist. He's done he's done magic cards. He's also done some Hearthstone cards. So I really like his Hearthstone art. He has kind of a uh, kind of cartoonish style. It fits the Hearthstone style uh, really well, but super bright, super colorful. Like I really really like his art. Um, so he did the card Mad Bomber, if you know Mad Bomber, the, the goblin ready to blow things up. He also did the card Skeleton Knight, and I got a play mat, or a, a mouse pad rather, signed by Mike Sass of the Skeleton Knight. So pretty exciting there. Um, you know, I was in the market for a new, a new play mat or a, 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 a new mouse pad. So cool to have a neat one for Hearthstone signed, of course, by the artist. Uh, so really cool there uh, to to get to see those artists. That's, that's one of the fun things about cons for me is is running into and, and getting to visit the booths of artists that you love their work and that you you know have looked up to and like man I I've played this card a hundred times like it's really awesome I know this art through and through and now I can get it on a play mat or I can get a print of it and I can get you to sign it and I can talk to you and it's super cool like I love having that interaction. I know that, you know, Noah Bradley, who is a big magic artist as well that I like a lot, also at the con, so probably go check his booth out on, on Saturday. 
Uh, but really neat. This whole whole artist alley section of Gen Con. You can go check all those people out. Then finally, last Gen Con story. After we got done with all of the exhibit hall, we uh, we went. We had a standing event appointment to play Secret Hitler. So this is how we closed out the day. My friend and I, uh, we played Secret Hitler. If you've never heard of Secret Hitler, <laughs> it is a very provocative game title. Secret Hitler is a game that's very similar to Werewolf, if you've ever played that. It's one of those games where you can only play it with a large group of people. So in this case, five to ten people. And it's kind of a hidden information game. So one person at the table is Hitler. And a certain number of people are fascists. And these fascists are aligned with Hitler. Um, when they win, Hitler wins, and vice versa. Then you also have liberals. Of course, they're the other side. So they also want to win when, when they win, the fascists lose, and so on. The rub is, when you're playing with uh, six or more people, the, the fascists know who Hitler is, and they know who each other are, but Hitler doesn't know who the fascists are. So Hitler is sitting at the table, the person playing Hitler, is sitting at the table not knowing who anyone is. And then you go around. So each turn, someone is president, and you just kind of go in a circle, and the president has to elect a chancellor. And then you vote to see if that election takes place. So, of course, the first one in the game usually passes. Then the president picks up what are called policy cards. He picks up three uh, off the top of the pile. He looks at them. He discards one, hands them over to the chancellor, and the chancellor plays one. Now, these policy cards are either liberal or fascist. So, obviously, you want to play your type of card. So if you're a fascist, you want to play a fascist card because, uh, you know, the team that gets to their goal first is the, the team that wins. So you don't want to play a policy card for the other team because you are actively losing. However, you give a lot of information away when you play a policy card. So if uh, you, all kinds of stuff comes up there, right? So let's say the president draws three cards. He draws, um, you know, two fascist policies and a liberal policy. He discards one of the fascists and passes a liberal and a fascist policy. Now, the chancellor is looking at this, and he's knowing that he is one of those factions, so he really wants to play that card, but he also knows that doing so means that everyone suspects that, okay, I'm pretty sure that guy is a liberal or that guy is a fascist because of what he did. And you can also discuss things, right? So he can play a card and he can say, well, I didn't have a choice. He handed me two fascist cards. And then the person they hand on the cards can say, no, 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 I handed you one of each. And then you have to decide who you want to believe, right? The whole game is all about lying. It's all about uh, deception. It's all about subterfuge. The game becomes really fun in that... Somehow during the course of the game, it helps a lot if you can let, if you're on the fascist side, you can let Hitler know who you are. You can kind of signal to him that you're a fascist as well. I get a chance to do that in our last game because I, um, there's a power basically when you play enough policies, you get to look at someone's affiliation card. So normally you would want to look at someone's card to know for sure like what they are, uh, and then you can have some faith that they're on your team or not. I, however, looked at Hitler's card. I was a fascist, 
I knew full well that he was already a fascist, but I looked at the card and then announced to everyone else, liberal, like we know. So I let them all think that I was on their team, threw them off the scent of who Hitler actually was. Then later on, people <laughs> trusted me at that point. Uh, I got the opportunity to play a fascist policy. We were already ahead, however, and I wanted to them to still think that I was on their side. So I actually played a liberal policy just to really hammer home the point that I was on their side. Then at the end of the game, the the Hitler guy knew, of course, that I was I had lied about his cards earlier. So he gave me the chance to make him the chancellor. And we had played enough cards that when Hitler becomes chancellor at that point, you just win the game. So I played them. You know, everyone kind of kind of believed that I was liberal at that point. I made my case that, oh, I looked at his cards earlier. I'm sure he's liberal. This is a safe choice. Everyone voted him in, and then we won. So, like, it's really cool. You get to you get to completely just mess with the heads of everyone sitting around you, and you get to lie through your teeth while begging them to believe that you're not lying. <laughs> and everyone else has to discern which one of the people at the table are doing that because everyone at the table is telling you, no, 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 you don't understand. I am telling the truth. <laughs> and, of course, some people aren't. Uh, so really, really fun. It w that was actually the first time at Gen Con, aside from playing Magic, I've played Magic before at Gen Con, it was the first time that I've ever done an event. So there are thousands of events that, that go on every every year at Gen Con, every day at Gen Con, every hour at Gen Con. There are so many events running. And Secret Hitler was one of the things that just it, it, that's happening all all weekend long. So you uh, you sign up for it. It's two dollars for an hour. We got we got through like three games in an hour, and it's just random, right? So whoever shows up, so we got paired with uh, you know what eight people or whatever. Uh, they were all great. Like everyone was super fun. Everybody was like there to have a good time, having having so much fun, joking, laughing, cutting up. Like it was really really fun to sit down with you know six other like minded people that you don't know that are having an awesome time and spend like a really fun hour with them playing a game. So I really loved that experience. Um, it, it definitely made me want to do that way more. So I really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. If you go to Gen Con, I would highly recommend like pick out some of those games, like go play werewolf, go play secret Hitler, play some of those like fun social party games. You will make friends. <laughs> you will have a great time laughing. And even if you don't like, you know, get their names or their numbers or anything, even if they're not lasting friends, you might see them around the con again, right? And you have, like, a cool, nice, fun experience with those people. And uh, it was great. It was super, super enjoyable. So, yeah, that is my, my long, drawn-out explanation of day one at Gen Con. Like I said, I'll be back Saturday. Uh, we will have more conversation about Gen Con and things I do on Saturday as well. Uh, but that is day one. Super fun.